Good morning, everyone. For those that are here in person and those that are watching online, we're so glad that you could be here as we launch our Christmas series, but not just our Christmas series, our whole series that we're going to be uh, touching on and studying for a number of months. Now, before I get to that, I want to just give another reminder about our Advent devotional that you can find out in the lobby. Um, there are small versions like this, and there are larger versions as well. But there's one more thing that you can do with this. And we have an online uh, forum. You can go to uachome.org slash advent. And what you do is, every day as you're reading through it, so you read through today's and you're like, maybe the Lord speaks to you something. Maybe you're reflecting on something. Maybe you're uh, answering the question, which description of Jesus, Jesus' might and power in these passages draws your attention? Why? You can go to that link, and there'll be a section there where you can just put your comments in, uh, and that way others can also reflect uh, on what you're reflecting on, and you can read what other people are, are responding and answering to. So I want to encourage you uh, to do that as you travel through this Advent devotional from it starts today uh, and goes all the way till Christmas, uh, and I hope that you can be blessed by journeying with others through this Advent devotional, and others can be blessed by what you have to share as well. And so let's support one another, let's pray for one another, and let's share with one another as we meditate and think on the story of Jesus, uh, particularly through this season uh, of Advent. And so today, uh, the story begins. That's the title of, of the message, the story begins. And so in this, season, in this series of, uh, of Advent next Sunday, uh, Pastor John Cook will be sharing on the incarnation and how Jesus actually came to become uh, a human. And the week after that, Pastor Leonor is going to be sharing on the experience that Mary had with the, uh, with the angel as the angel came to Mary and revealed that Mary would be the mother of Jesus. And then after that, I'll be sharing a little bit about the Joseph's role with the this whole story uh, of Jesus and how he was uh, called uh, to steward this great uh, opportunity to be able to raise Jesus. Uh, and then after that, we come to our Christmas Eve services and our Christmas Day services where we'll look at these exact story of Jesus coming into this world. And so that's going to be the start of what we call Jesus, his birth story from now till December 25th. Then starting in January, from January 1st all the way till April 9th, we're going to be looking at the experiences of Jesus. So April 9th is Easter. So from the beginning of the year all the way till Easter. Then right after Easter, from April 16th till June 18th, we're going to be looking at the resurrection and beyond, some of the uh, things that happened to Jesus uh, after his resurrection. Uh, and then after that, in our summer series, from June 25th till uh, almost the end of August, we're going to be looking at the teachings of Jesus, some of Jesus' parables and the things that he taught us. So we are going to be studying all things Jesus in the next number of months. As you can see, the lovely uh, words, uh, the letters there, Jesus, to help us sort of concentrate our, our thoughts and our emotions and our focus on Jesus. As we have gone through this series of rebuilding through Ezra and Nehemiah, our desire and our hope is that as we've had a little bit of a reset and a rebuilding and hopefully turning to the Lord in repentance and asking him for his help, now we want to continue that aspect of reset and renewal as we focus our thoughts, our emotions, our 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 mind uh, and, and everything on Jesus in these next number of months uh, in this next year. And so I want to encourage you to journey along with us. 
Some of you uh, have probably heard the story of Jim Elliott and the five missionaries that went to Ecuador. Can I just see your hands if you've heard that story? It's a pretty famous story. Jim Elliott and some of his uh, missionary friends who traveled to Ecuador, and for those that haven't heard the story, that they went trying to reach uh, a native tribe there that had previously been unreached, the Hurani uh, people. And unfortunately, in 1956, when they decided to land on uh, the beach with their plane and try to actually make contact after having sort of given gifts and tried to make initial contact with the people, uh, they came and they landed there. And unfortunately, the tribe came and killed them all in one shot. And they lost their lives. One of the, the other missionaries, his name was Nate Saint, he also lost his life. But Nate's sister, Rachel, and Jim's wife, Elizabeth, both decided to go and continue to try to share the love of Jesus with these people, the, the people that had murdered their husband and brother uh, and these other men. And little by little, as they went uh, and reached out to them, they were able to share the love of Jesus with them. And eventually, some of the people uh, committed their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. And one of them, uh, Minkei was, uh, was, a, was the person that actually killed Nate Saint. He ended up baptizing Nate's son, Steve, and such a, a, a tremendous turn of events that had happened there. And when you think of, uh, of, of a situation like that, of a, of a tra tragedy that actually led to something that was beautiful and amazing in, in, a, in a tribe coming to know Jesus, we realize and understand the sovereignty of God. We realize and understand the, the beautiful story writing of Jesus. We, we're, we call this his birth story, but there's a beautiful way in which the Lord has been writing that birth story. And here's a little bit of inside information for you. Do you know that the birth story of Jesus didn't start with his birth? Actually, what happened is that the birth story of Jesus started being written way before Jesus actually came into this world. And that's what I want to talk about today. As we start our series and to understand the actual birth story of Jesus, we have to go thousands of years before Jesus was born. We have to go way before even the foundation of the world. We have to go way before creation to understand the heart and mind of God, of how God is writing a story. And sometimes, even in the story of Nate Saint and Steve Saint and Jim Elliott and Elizabeth Elliott, sometimes in those stories there are ups and downs. Sometimes in those stories there are heartaches, there are difficulties, there are trials, there are suffering. But if we, if we take a step back and understand the beautiful story that Jesus is writing, Maybe one day we will be able to see the beauty in it all. How many here, have you ever gone through any trials or difficulties in your life? Anybody faced any difficulties? Yeah, some people. Anyone here, are you going through some difficulty right now and maybe some trials or some hardships, a sickness, a, a problem that's in your life? And sometimes we have to just take a step back from all of those things and realize and understand the sovereignty of God and the wonderful story that Jesus is writing about our lives. And to understand the beautiful and wonderful story that Jesus is writing about our lives, we first have to understand the beautiful story that God wrote about Jesus. And if we can understand the beautiful story that God has written and is still writing about Jesus, we can take comfort and rest and consolation because we know that he is also writing our story. So... What I want to do is I want to look at a few verses from the Old Testament and, and understand some of the prophecies and predictions about 
uh, Jesus and how this wasn't just a, a surprise. It wasn't just a, a last minute thing uh, the, that Jesus came to earth. It wasn't that God looked down upon the world and say, wow, it's all messed up over here. Let me send Jesus and hopefully he can fix things. No, it wasn't a last minute deal. It wasn't something, uh, you know, a, a last ditch effort to try to save humanity. In the heart and mind of God from the former eternity, from when God had, before God had even created the, the earth, there was something in God's heart that said, I want to send Jesus. Now, sometimes we think about this. Well, let me share a couple of verses. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 20, it says, God chose him, Jesus, as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has, revealed, he, he has been revealed for your sake. So long before the world began, God said, I'm going to send Jesus. Here's the beautiful thing about this, that the story of Jesus begins in the heart and mind of God way before he created the world, because this is what sets Christianity apart from every single major world religion. The thing that sets Christianity apart from every other religion, you can look and look and look and look and you won't be able to find this, but the thing that is unique and distinct and special about Christianity is that God would become man. Was that God would choose way before anything happened, way before creation, way before the fall, way before all of these things, God decided and he said, I'm gonna send Jesus. And as I was meditating and as I was thinking about this, one thing that I realized, it wasn't that God sent Jesus as let him come and fix everything. God sent Jesus because he wanted us to know that he desired a relationship with us. God sent Jesus in order so that he could be Emmanuel, God with us. That's the difference between Christianity and every other major world religion. That we have Emmanuel, God with us. In God's heart in the former eternity, God said, I want to be with my people. And so I'm going to create this amazing and wonderful plan that Jesus is going to come down to this world. And he is going to take upon the form of a man and he is going to be Emmanuel. God with us. Isn't that amazing? That God would even think about that? It, it wasn't about let's save humanity. It wasn't about let's rescue them. It wasn't about all of those other things. All those things happened. But the original intent, the heart and mind of God was, I want to be with my people. I want to be Emmanuel, right? And so realizing that we would, we would sin, he was the lamb slaughtered before the world was, Right? And along the way, as, as this started to happen, okay, so this was conceived in the heart and mind of God in the former eternity, way before creation. But then as God created the world, and as God created man, uh, humanity, and as God allowed this timeline to proceed, we get glimpses into the heart of God. We get glimpses, and we get, we, we get a little bit of an opening to see who, was, who is this Jesus that was supposed to come. The prophets in the Old Testament, the people that lived way before us, they, they got just some glimpses, but we get to see the fullness. That's why, as we read here in Peter, right, he was, God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. 
They got to see through glimpses, through little shadows, through, through prophecies and predictions, who is this Jesus that would come? And we're gonna look at some of those verses today to, for us to get a little bit of a, a glimpse of who is this Jesus. But we have the privilege, we have the opportunity to know that in fullness. So I, I wanna just journey a little bit through the word of God and look, at, and look at some of those things. So the first thing was in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, we see the first prophecy, the first prediction that Jesus would come. As Adam and Eve sinned and, and, and rebelled against God, and they put all the blame on the serpent, on the devil, then God came down, and as, the, as God was speaking to uh, the, the, the devil, he said this, I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. That last part is the first prophecy about Jesus, that there would be a, a fight, there would be a contention, there would be a battle that would take place, that the, the devil would strike the heel of Jesus in, in all that the enemy did in putting Jesus on Calvary. But, he, the, but Jesus would strike a deadening blow to the enemy by striking his head. This was, this was if you, I know this is hard to do, but if you just put aside everything that you know about Jesus, right, and put on your Old Testament shoes, right, and pretend that you didn't know anything about Calvary or anything that would happen, and as we journey through and look at some of these verses, if you look at them in sort of like a, an Old Testament perspective or an Old Testament prophet perspective and, and wonder and think, it's the wonder of Jesus. Let your mind wonder at the beauty of Jesus. Let your heart gaze at the beauty of Jesus. Let your heart imagine of what the Old Testament saints, of, all, of the Old Testament prophets were, were thinking and imagining as they wrote these words and as they thought about who is this person? Who is this Emmanuel? that would come? Who is this God incarnate that would come? That's what they were trying to figure out. Then we go over to, to Abraham. And as God started to speak to Abraham, as Abraham was, was living in obedience to God, and as God was speaking to Abraham, we see here another prediction, another, another prophecy about, it, uh, about Jesus in Genesis chapter 12. I will, this is God speaking to Abraham. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt and here's the significant line, all of the families on earth will be blessed through you. Abraham, this was a prophecy about Jesus. Abraham, I'm gonna bless you, and the greatest blessing that's gonna come is that through your lineage, through your line, Jesus, Emmanuel, the Messiah will come, and he will be a blessing to all of the families of the earth. It won't, it won't any longer be just for Israel. It won't any longer just be for the children of Abraham. It won't any longer be just for this select group of people, but all of the families of the earth will be blessed by this person that I'm going to send, Jesus. That's why in Acts chapter three it says, you are the children of those prophets and you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, through your descendants, all the families of the earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant Jesus, he sent him first to you people of Israel to bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. See, this was the fulfillment. They saw it. Peter saw it. This was the fulfillment that Jesus had come to turn people away from their sinful ways. Jesus was going to be a blessing to Israel and to all the Gentiles, to all of the world. It would be the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. And it went down the line. God promised it to Abraham. God promised it to Isaac. He also promised it to Jacob. 
right? He speaks very clearly in Genesis chapter 28. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And here again is that line. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. God was promising. God was speaking. It was like, it was like a crescendo. It was like a, a building up. The climax was that day when Jesus was born and came into this world. But for thousands of years, as the prophets predicted it and prophesied about it and looked keenly into it and wondered, well, hold on, what is God saying? The Spirit of the Lord is inspiring me to write this. The Spirit of God is moving in me and telling me this is what's going to happen. And they're looking at it and understanding, like, hold on, how is this going to happen? And it was just increasing and increasing from the Garden of Eden to Abraham to uh, Isaac to Jacob, and it kept increasing and increasing until the final climax, Emmanuel, has come the birth of the Messiah. Then go down when, uh, when Jacob is blessing his children in Genesis uh, chapter 49, and we read about how Jacob says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. Here Jacob makes a prophecy and makes a prediction. Messiah, Emmanuel, is actually gonna come. And he, here he gives a little bit of a, of, of a revelation. Who is this Messiah? He's gonna be one that rules because he has a scepter, Right? He is going to be one that will rule and conquer. So in Genesis 49, it says, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. Here again, Jacob is speaking. He, he, he's predicting before he dies, and he's saying through the line of Judah. It's, it's come through Abraham, now through Isaac, now through Jacob, and now Jacob with his 12 sons, he says, through the lineage of Judah, through Judah, one is going to be coming. The scepter will not leave this tribe of Judah until the one whom it belongs comes and whom all nations will honor. And then as you continue in this journey, then you get to another amazing prophet of God, and that was Moses, as he was called by the Lord to lead the children of Israel out of of Egypt. And Moses, when he was talking to the children of Israel, he, he gave them an understanding that, hey, there's going to be another person. Everyone looked up to Moses. Moses was this amazing leader. He was this amazing man of God who, who did wonder, uh, wonderful miracles and signs and brought the children of Israel out of captivity. And then he says this in Deuteronomy, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. He said, there's going to be another one coming like me. Right? That's why they would ask Jesus, are, are, are you the one that Elijah spoke of or that Moses spoke of? Are you that prophet that we were waiting for? Well, Moses predicted it. He prophesied about it. There will be another that is coming. And they waited with great expectation, with great anticipation for the coming of this prophet, the coming of this Messiah. And so as the prophets started to predict and prophesy about these things, we, as time went on, we, got to, we get to get a little clearer picture of what type of person this is. We know now, again, I'm just asking you for a moment, for those of you that are followers of Jesus and, and those that have committed their life to Christ, if you know Jesus for who he is as your savior, can I just ask you, step away a little bit from that just, just for a moment and try to look at this through maybe Old Testament eyes, through Old Testament prophet eyes and see they're trying to figure out, we, we see all these prophecies, we see these, these people predicting that this person is coming, but who is this person? 
Well, Samuel says that it's going to be a faithful priest. And so they got a little bit better idea, right? They got a little bit better idea of, of, of who this person was going to be. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 2, actually this was the Lord, I think, speaking to Eli, he said, then I will raise up a faithful priest who will serve me and do what I desire. I will establish his family and they will be priests to my anointed kings. For how long? Forever. God was talking about an everlasting priesthood, an eternal priesthood. In other verses, it talks about how Jesus came uh, as an eternal priest in the order of Melchizedek, in the order of, uh, of something that was eternal and everlasting. And so here, there's, there's another revelation of who this person is. This person is coming through the line of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Judah. He's going to be a blessing to all of the families of the earth, not just to Israel, but to everyone, and he's going to be a ruler with a, with a scepter. He's going to be a faithful priest, right? And then you come to, then you come to Isaiah. And Isaiah talks about this, this king of justice, right? He talks about this king of, king of justice that will come. And so we get a, a different aspect, a, a different angle or, or a different revelation of who is this person that is going to be coming, and so he says here in Isaiah chapter 9, these are probably familiar verses during the Christmas time, right? How many have heard these verses before? For unto us, for, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. Right? That's amazing in itself. We're trying to get governments that can start peace, let alone have peace that will, will never end. Right? This is an amazing thing that this ruler... So can you, are, you, are you with me in this journey? Can you see things being clarified little by little? Can you see a greater understanding that these prophets and these Old Testament saints are, are having as they, as they read these verses, as these revelations are coming? It says, He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. We get this understanding that he is going to be a king of justice. In that time and culture, similar even to our time and culture, there was so much injustice that was taking place. And so to have this idea that there would be a person that would come, that the father would send, that would be a king of justice, that he would rule with fairness and justice from, from the throne of David, that was awesome. That would be amazing. To have a king that was ruling over Israel, that the peace will never end. They were thinking back about the glory days during David and, and Solomon's days when they had peace in the land. Well, not so much in David's days. There was a lot of war going in David's days near, until the, near the end of his reign. But then when Solomon became king, there was peace throughout his land. And so they were remembering those glory days and they were thinking how wonderful it would be to have a kingdom like this where the peace would never end. And then after that, Isaiah says something even, more, something even more amazing, and that's a miraculous birth. So now there's even more clarification. I'm going to read this verse. I have, I, have, I have a question for you, okay? I'm going to read a verse here. I'm going to ask you a question. Tell me what the miracle is in this verse. Okay, are you ready? Okay, tell me what the miracle is in this verse. Here goes. Isaiah chapter 7. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means 
God is with us. What's the miracle? Huh? The virgin. How many here say the, it's the virgin conceiving the child? I don't know, you guys are like, trick question, Daniel. What is Daniel doing? Trick question here. Should I put my hand up? Should I not? Right? That's actually not the miracle. Remember, remember what I told you at the beginning. Remember what I told you that was in the heart of God from the former eternity. That God decided the most amazing thing is for me to come and be with my people. This is the miracle. The miracle that sets Christianity apart from every world religion there is. Now, no doubt, a virgin conceiving is a miracle, but I'm talking about the greater miracle in this verse. The greater miracle is Emmanuel, God with us. Can you com comprehend that? Can you think that's way greater a miracle than a virgin conceiving? That God would come down and be Emmanuel, God with us. That God would decide from even the former eternity before all of creation, before everything else that had happened, that in the heart and mind of God that he would conceive and think about this and he would say, I want to be with my people so I am determining way back from over here that I will send Jesus so that he can be Emmanuel, God with us. That is the miracle. That is the miracle and so much so that we all, if you have given your heart and life to Jesus, that you are a living miracle because you have God dwelling inside of you. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. But if we go to the other miracle of a virgin conceiving, in Matthew chapter, chapter one, we read about this. It says, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Right? So this is, this is, talking to, to, to Mary, to Joseph actually, speaking about how Mary will have a son. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Friends, this is the whole story of Jesus. This is the birth story of Jesus, that God would be Emmanuel, God with us, right? Then there was some more clarity that came along. He was supposed to be born in Bethlehem, right? In Micah, in Micah chapter 5, it talks about Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. In, in our Alpha videos uh, that we were watching, there's at one point, Nikki Gumbel is, trying to, is talking about some of these predictions and prophecies about the Messiah. And then he talked about how, you know, a clever con man can try to maybe try to fulfill a number of these prophecies but then he said, he said, yeah, but a clever con man can't do this, right? Because he'd be born already. He's like, oh, no, I'm supposed to be born in Bethlehem. How am I, you know, he can't do that, right? But that's what, it was the prophecy in Micah 5. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrata, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Remember, coming from the line of Judah? Yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past, whose origins whose, who is from the former eternity, will come from you, on my behalf. Can you see how these prophecies, the these are, this is the beautiful story of Jesus that's being written from creation, from, from former eternity to creation, to Garden of Eden, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, to, to being a, a priest and a prophet and, to, and, and a king. And we see here the birth. But then it gets a little bit more difficult. 
Because as they're talking about this and you're thinking, okay, he's coming with a scepter, he's coming to rule, he's coming to, to, to be able to conquer, and that's what the, the Jewish people wanted. That's what they were looking for. But then they saw something else in the scriptures. They saw something else that was a, that was a little bit difficult, right? Um, and that was, hold on, sorry, let me go down this. And that was the suffering servant. That was the suffering servant. As they saw, as, as people started to prophesy and predict, they said, hold on, this man who's supposed to come with a scepter, this man who's supposed to come to rule. But now we see some of these things, they're saying he's gonna be a suffering servant? What's that all about? In Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deep grief, deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. The story of Jesus is continuing to be written even before he was born. And, and what would happen to him was already predicted. That he would go through, he would be despised, he would be rejected, he would go through suffering and sorrow. In verse 5 it says, but he was pierced for our rebellion, he was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole, he was whole, he was whipped so that we could be healed. We see that the, the suffering of this servant. Who is this man? Don't look from this side where you know the ending of the story. Look from this side, from the Old Testament side. And you're probably scratching your head like some of these Old Testament people and wondering, who is this man that was supposed to rule, that was supposed to conquer, that was supposed to come and be a blessing to all nations, that was supposed to do so many amazing things to bring an eternal peace to the land. And now you're telling me that he's also going to suffer and even die? but he's also revealed as the chosen servant. Isaiah reveals this aspect of the suffering servant, but also the chosen servant. In Isaiah 42, it talks about this. It says, look at my servant whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one who pleases me. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not sh shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. He will bring justice to all who have been wronged. They're seeing this other aspect about this person that's supposed to be coming. They're seeing this other aspect of the Messiah who will come and bring justice. He won't bring discouragement. He won't kick out somebody that's discouraged. He won't, he'll rule with justice. And then in a few chapters later, Isaiah says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. Jesus quoted these, these words exactly in the New Testament when he walked into the, into the synagogue and he opened up the scroll and he chose this portion in Isaiah 61 to read as a fulfillment of himself. That these words were written about Jesus. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. How much promise was this? How much anticipation was this? Are you going through a hard time? Well, this verse will be a blessing to you. Do you feel like you're in captivity? This promise will be a blessing to you. Do you feel like you need to know Jesus? This promise is for you. And Jesus came and he opened up the scroll in the synagogue and he read those words. And afterwards, he said, this, this word is fulfilled in your years today. Friends, there is all of these things that are written about the story of Jesus. From the former eternity all the way climaxed in his birth. And we'll look at that in more detail in these weeks to come about the birth of Jesus. But all of these things was just a buildup. 
in the heart and mind of God. Isn't that amazing that God was thinking about all of these things ahead of time? Isn't it amazing to know that even before Jesus came into this world, that all of this was conceived and planned out in the heart and mind of God so that we would see the fullness of who Jesus is? that we would understand the blessing of Jesus in delivering us from our sins, in executing justice in the land, to bringing hope for the hopeless, in bringing deliverance to those that are in captivity, to bringing healing to those that are sick. Isn't that amazing to understand the story of Jesus, that God had conceived all of this so that Jesus can be a blessing to the whole world? That in itself is such an amazing blessing. But let me end with this one thing, that it wasn't just Jesus that God was thinking about. It wasn't just this amazing story of Jesus that he was writing. He was also thinking about you. It wasn't just Jesus that he was formulating and thinking, okay, this is what I'm gonna do, this is how I'm gonna do it, this is, his, this is what's gonna happen, this is what he's gonna do. And I'm going to predict and prophesy about this through my prophets and servants, and I'm going to let everyone know that it's going to happen, and then the climax will happen, Jesus will be born to the world, and then he'll die on the cross, and he'll rise again from the dead, and it'll be so amazing for everyone. And that's an amazing story of Jesus, which we're going to explore in these months to come. But in addition to that, Jesus, God, was thinking about you. As Caleb read for us in Ephesians 1, here's some verses from there. Ephesians 1, even before he made the world. Didn't we read something like that before? When we were talking about Jesus, right? That even before God created the world, he thought about sending Jesus to us. Well, guess what else he was thinking about? Even before he made the world, God loved us. Can you put your name in there? Even before he made the world, God loved Jesse. Doesn't that sound nice? Even before he made the world, God loved Pat. Even before he made the world, God loved Margaret. Okay, I can't go through everyone here, so you put your name in there. <laughs> right? And read that verse. Even before he made the world, God loved Daniel and chose Daniel in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Isn't that an amazing promise? It wasn't a last minute thing. Oh man, they messed up. Let me try to fix them up. No. Before the fall, before creation, in the former eternity, God was thinking about you. Isn't that awesome? That's a lot of time to be thinking about Daniel. Right? It's a lot of millennia God's been spending thinking about me. And there's so many beautiful promises in the word of God that talk about that. How God's thoughts towards us are thoughts of peace. And that he, he counts even the very hairs of our head. That if one sparrow won't fall to the ground without the Lord's knowledge, how much more does he care for us? Friends, God was thinking about you. God was thinking about you. A few verses down, verses 10 and 11 says this. And this is the plan. God had this all worked out. This is not a surprise. I often think when something sudden or surprising happens in my life, do you know what I think about? I think about God sitting on the throne like this and then looking down thinking, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. How did that happen? Oh, no. What should I do now? Plan B. No, no, no. It doesn't work like that. 
everything that happens in our life. God is knowledgeable. He knows the end from the beginning. He is writing a beautiful story. It's called the story of Jesus. But he's also writing a beautiful story. And it's the story of Jesse. It's the story of Salome. It's the story of Neil. It's the story of each and every one of us that he knew from time and eternity before. We have hope because of God's plan in Jesus for us. We have hope because of God's plan in Jesus and God's plan for us. The greatest miracle was that God in the former eternity would say, let me be with my people. I will come down from heaven above and be incarnate and take the name Emmanuel. God with us. God is with you. And he's writing a beautiful story. I told you at the beginning about Nate Saint and what happened to him and being killed through with four other missionaries when they went to Ecuador. His son, Steve Saint, um, continued sort of his, his ministry in many different ways. Steve had three boys, and they were praying and they wanted to have a girl. And the Lord blessed them with a girl. And she was the apple of their eye. She was such a blessing to them. After three boys having a girl, she was everything for them. As she grew up, she became so talented, and was, God was calling her to minister for him. And at one time, uh, Youth for Christ, the organization, asked her to travel with them for a year to play the piano, to minister in, in their events. And she said yes. But for Steve, it was, it was such heartbreak for him. He didn't want to see his little girl go off and be away for a whole year. It was so difficult for that to happen. But finally, as she, she went uh, and traveled for a year, finally she came back. And as they came, she came back, she, there was a big sort of reunion at the airport. And they came and they were celebrating together. Finally, the family is back. But what happened was, as they were there, the, their daughter, Stephanie, had a, had a headache. And so, as she was having this headache, the, the mother and, and Steve, they came back and they were just praying for her. And as Steve was embracing his wife and his daughter and praying, Stephanie had a massive uh, cerebral hemorrhage. And they rushed her to the hospital. And they took her there and they were trying to do all these tests and, and they were crying out and praying to the Lord. And it was, it was such a difficult thing for him to deal with. Remember, he had lost his father when he was about five years old as a little boy. And now he's going through this other, other suffering. He didn't know what the end was. But unfortunately, at the, at the end, his daughter died. And he said this, and I'm quoting from a, a message that he gave at a Desiring God conference in 2005. Why is it that we want every chapter to be good? And I'll invite the worship team to come up. Why is it that we want every chapter to be good when God promises only that in the last chapter, he will make all the other chapters make sense? And he doesn't promise we'll see that last chapter here. When Stephanie was dying, the doctor said 
There's no hope for recovery from an injury like this. I realized that this was either the time to lose my faith or an opportunity to show the God who gave his only son to die for my sin that I love him and I trust him. And then I watched. I watched my sweet wife accept this as God's will and God's plan. And you know what God has done through this? He changed my heart. Friends, we might not understand the story that God is writing. We might not understand the hardships and sufferings and the difficulties that we're going through. Can you imagine God looking at his son on the cross of Calvary, crying out and saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But he allowed him to go through that so he could be a blessing to all nations. The beautiful story of Jesus started being written thousands and thousands of years ago. And our story is still being written because of Jesus. Our story and his story intersect in so many beautiful ways that we can have hope in him because he's Emmanuel, God with us. Can we all stand today and let's worship the Lord. He's our King of Kings and he's our Lord of Lords. And he's on the throne.